0: Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 39, which this was read uh, by the Vargas family. And in these busy, confusing days of COVID and everything else going on, a good question for us to ask and to answer is, what do I do next for the Lord? How do we do this? How do we keep on as a church how do I keep on as a brother or sister in Christ to be a person of great hope, living hope? And I see two great examples in this passage this morning. Mary has just heard the announcement from Gabriel that she will have the child Jesus, and he will be the, sit on the throne of his father David. He will be the son of God. But also in this story, Gabriel says this, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Can you imagine Mary, first of all, seeing the angel, but then hearing about her relative Elizabeth? What is going on here? What does she do next? What did Mary do when God spoke to her? She did the next thing. She heard about Elizabeth. This old lady is going to have a baby, and an angel's announcing it? What's going on? And so, at verse 39, it says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. That's a 100-mile trip. That's like going from Hillsboro to Eugene. And how long does it take to drive from Hillsboro to Eugene, you Oregon Duck fans? Longer than it takes to drive to Corvallis. <laughs> two hours, right? How long would it take for you to walk those 100 miles? Let's say you could walk 21 miles a day. That's at least five days. Now, we don't know if Mary was on a donkey or if she walked by herself that 100 miles, but it says she got ready and she hurried. She walked quickly to the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. At that time, what do you do next when you hear? And by the way, Mary, your relative, Elizabeth, has a baby in her womb. Maybe Mary didn't know that. I mean, they didn't have news at the time. But there she goes. Consider Elizabeth. But look at what it says in chapter 1, verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. Let's just don't brush through that. Let's stop and think about what that means. Nothing is impossible to God. And, and I wrote it down and what it literally means in the message notes that you have, and it's this, every word of God shall not be powerless. That's an understatement. Every spoken word of God has power to accomplish what I meant when I said this. If I say that Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. I spoke, and creation came about. I spoke, and Elizabeth became pregnant. I spoke, and now you have the baby Jesus inside of you. Every word that I speak has an intended purpose, and it has a power in it that's going to accomplish what I've intended. That's what the angel really said. So, Mary, I'm telling you some words right now that Elizabeth is pregnant what do I do next? What do you mean? Nothing's impossible with God. Can you imagine this young lady, probably 15 or 16, going down south towards Jerusalem, maybe by herself? She had time to think about a lot of things on that hike, didn't she? I find in my morning walk, that's when I have a lot of thoughts and, and I hear the Lord speaking and words coming to me and creativity is happening. there and that. But for Five days, walking straight. I don't know if I'd be that creative or not. But she had a chance to listen, a lot of, to think about the promise that Gabriel had given to her. That I spoke, and it is such. So, is is she really pregnant? They had no pregnancy test in those days. No, no uh, Walgreens to get a pregnancy test, right? Is this really happening inside of my womb? I'm pregnant now with this person. I'm going to name Jesus. And Joseph, how is he going to handle this information and this news? She keeps walking, thinking about what's happening. Every word of God shall not be powerless. And when I return home from seeing Elizabeth, how shall I face my family? This little small village of Nazareth. And all of my friends will think that I've been an adulteress or maybe I'll be stoned to death. But all those thoughts, don't you think? She had time to process what she had seen, the angel, what she heard. And now, Elizabeth, can this be true? And I wonder how Elizabeth is doing. I mean, what do you think she is, 60 years old? How many people do you know at 60 have been pregnant? I don't think many. I don't know. You tell me, ladies, what the age is when you can stop having babies. That's how old Elizabeth was. She was older than that. And How can I help her in her last three months of pregnancy? In fact, we read on that Mary did stay those three months because Elizabeth was already six months pregnant when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. During that time, I think it's when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, let me tell you about Mary. She's going to be pregnant. And you haven't had sex with her yet. Your marriage has not been consummated. And Joseph thinks, what shall I do? Shall I put her away? Shall I cover this up? And the angel spoke to him and said, this is a God thing. And you are to name this little boy Jesus. So when Mary returned, Joseph was prepared to receive her into his home and to take care of her and not to put her away. So during that time, those three months, and then to walk into Elizabeth's house, and they have these two women uh, pregnant with supernatural causes, what do you think the conversation was like? I mean, if you were going to write a script, you two ladies, how would you write this script? Well, here's the the basis of it right here and what we're reading right now. So what did Mary do next after God spoke to her? She followed up on what she heard about Elizabeth. She did the next thing. And for you and for me, When God speaks to you, what do you do next? The next thing. That's what Elizabeth did after the Lord spoke to her. Two great examples, Mary and Elizabeth. Verses 41 to 45, we read about this. Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. As we look up in chapter 5, or chapter 1 earlier, it said that Elizabeth had been in seclusion for five months with her pregnancy. And she had heard Zechariah, or seen what he wrote out about what had happened to him. And she was filled with the Spirit. Now, to be filled with the Spirit before Pentecost brought the indwelling Spirit, meant that God Himself endued you with the Spirit of God to accomplish supernatural feats that you couldn't do otherwise. And the Spirit would come upon people like David, even Saul, and Samson to empower them to do supernatural feats and then leave. And so the Holy Spirit had filled Elizabeth to be sensitive to what was happening at that next moment. In a loud voice, she exclaimed to verse 42, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, I'm reading the literal translation, and I'm have been studying out of the NIV, and I don't like what it says. She has, from birth, no, the Bible actually says, from in the womb. How did Mary, how did Elizabeth know what was in Mary's womb? Had she received any news about this? The Spirit had prompted her. And so, what did Elizabeth call this babe in Mary's womb? The Lord Capital L-O-R-D. Not master, but Yahweh. You are the mother of my Yahweh. And then she says in verse 43, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What would Mary have answered? I'm conjecturing, and as I've written down, Well, Gabriel told me that you were pregnant in your old age and that you're going to have a baby. So I'm here to check it out. And indeed, every word that God has spoken is not powerless. It was a confirming thing for Mary to walk in and see this old lady showing something's happened here. Gabriel talked about it. This has happened. When God speaks, it does happen. His word has power. So that means I must be pregnant now. God spoke and the Holy Spirit would overshadow me, and I will have this baby inside of me. So reassuring, so confirming. But why do you call my baby Yahweh, is what I'm thinking. If I were Mary and heard Elizabeth say this baby is the Lord, you know, the, when I capitalize the word Lord, L-O-R-D, I'll say this again and again. Because the Greek translation misses what this Hebrew translation of the Greek has. Small letters, it's kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S. But in the Old Testament, when we're talking about Lord, it was a capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. It's the name that Moses heard from the burning bush. It is Yahweh, the self-existent self-sufficient, eternal, infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful God. It is Yahweh who speaks, and the world was created, and now He's become flesh, Yahweh. And that's our confession that Jesus Christ is L-O-R-D, capital letters. He is Yahweh. He is God. I and the Father are one. So, using my hopefully sanctified imagination, I've tried to fold into this message what happened to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. So, Elizabeth tells her story, and I'm going to try to tell the story from Elizabeth's perspective. So, bear with me, everybody. Mary, dear, let me tell you a story you're going to have a hard time believing, but here I am pregnant. Zechariah and I have been praying for a long time long, long time to have a baby. In fact, we prayed so long that we finally just gave up praying. And yet God answered our prayers when we were no longer praying. And I became pregnant. Let me tell you that happened. One day, Zachariah came back from his routine of working in the temple, and he by lot was chosen to burn the afternoon incense in the Holy of Holies holy place. So I walk in to burn that evening and to be chosen by Lot to walk into that Holy of Holies was a sacred honor that fell to Zechariah. And as he was burning that that incense, Gabriel stood to the right side. This is not what I was expecting. (laughs) And that smoke here is the angel of the Lord and he spoke to me. And so He came back from his priestly duty and he couldn't talk. He couldn't move his tongue, but there was a twinkle in his eye. You know what I mean? And so he wrote out the story of what happened to him when he was burning the incense. The angel's appearance was not as amazing as the message itself. We're going to have a baby. And we're going to raise him as a Nazirite, like Samson had the Nazirite vow. Long hair, no touching, any kind of fermented drink or or the vine of any kind. He has a special purpose in life. He's going to be the one who will announce the Messiah is coming. The last time God's prophet spoke was Malachi, 400 years earlier. Now, 400 years is a long time. 400 years ago, I think it was Captain Cook or somebody was found, uh, Plymouth Rock. It was there that the, 400 years ago, King James Bible was written. 400 years ago, America wasn't yet a, was not yet organized. 400 years since the last prophet actually spoke. And Malachi's last prophecy was this. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, capital Lord, comes. Before he comes back, Elijah will appear. He will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then Gabriel told me, Zechariah, that our son, our son will be that one. He'll be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, and he'll be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never take wine or the fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And yes, that's exactly what the Greek text says. Not from birth, but even in the womb, this person filled with the Holy Spirit, which to me goes with the sanctity of life, that life begins at the moment of conception, right? As so states our church bylaws, by the way. We believe that at the moment of conception, that is a real person. And John is such a one. And only a person can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what the angel said to Zechariah. Even in Mary's womb, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right now. And in Mary, look, see right here? In my belly, spirit-filled baby. Just want to tell you, not bragging, but that's the truth. Because his word accomplishes what he intends. Every word of God is not powerless. And God speaks and the miracle happens. God is able to complete every word he speaks about the future, about John, about Jesus, and about you. The angel prophesied, Mary, that many of the people of Israel he'll bring back to the Lord their God and he'll go before the Lord in the spirit and in power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. This John is in my womb. Messiah is coming soon. And here you are. And you tell me your story that the same angel that appeared to my husband appeared to you And you have inside of you, though, a virgin, a fetus, a person with a destiny, and his name is Jesus, and he's Messiah. And that's why I call him my Lord, Yahweh, in your womb. What that three months must have been like between Mary and Elizabeth. Just a timeout right now from, from Elizabeth's story. Israel had waited 400 years, waited for the prophet Elijah to tell them what to do next. In fact, the Maccabees actually had written on the works that they had, we'll wait for him to come to tell us what to do next. 400 years. We last saw Israel in the land of Babylon and then sent back by the Persian king to rebuild the temple with Nehemiah. And for quite a period of time, Israel was dominated by the Persian Empire, and then Alexander the Great, you know, swept across, as was prophesied by Daniel, by the way, swept across the part of the world and conquered that land and occupied that land. And then Alexander the Great uh, died as a young boy or young man. He his kingdom was divided into four uh, kingdoms, one of which was the Seleucid Kingdom, and that kingdom was the one that dominated the land of Palestine. Antiochus Epiphanes, the madman, the one who thinks he's God, is the one who desecrated the temple. So Israel, what happened? You went into the promised land, and there was a great kingdom there. There was King David and Solomon, and we were a mighty kingdom, and now we have been under oppression by these foreign people from Assyria to Babylon to the Medes and the Persians, and now to the Greeks and the Seleucids. And then the Roman Empire rose up, and they conquered the land of Palestine. And so now Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph are going to be taxed by the Roman Empire. 400 years, God had kept silent saying, one day Elijah will come. And this is the moment. This is when it's going to happen. Messiah is coming. God broke his silence and said, I'm sending ahead of you my messenger, Elijah. In fact, Jesus said that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of what Malachi 1 says. This is the one whom is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you and he'll prepare your way before you. Jesus saying, when John the Baptist came, he talked about the Lord, that I'm the Lord. You want to read Isaiah 40 about the, the Lord coming in all of His glory? Well, indeed, John identified himself as the one who fulfills uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3. In John 1, he says, a voice of one calling In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley be raised up, every mountain hill made low. The rough ground will become level, and the regular places a plain. And the glory of the capital L-O-R-D, His name is Jesus, will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And every word of the Lord shall not be powerless." God is in control of the nations. I love Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. But you know what the rest of that verse says? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on this planet, and we're not into globalism. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And he will come because he has spoken it. And Jesus says, I am the Lord. Now let's go back to Elizabeth's story. Mary says, wow, this baby six months inside of you filled with the Spirit, and you're filled with the Spirit, and you're telling me that my baby is the Lord, L, capital L-O-R-D? Really? Yeah, let me tell you. I asked my husband to tell me why he said this, but he couldn't talk. (laughs) He had to write out his confession He asked Gabriel, how can I be sure of this? Wrong question, not how shall this be, as Mary asked, but I need a sign since I'm old. That's what the text actually means. Boy, did he get a sign. He couldn't talk. Still can't talk. God made Gabriel, Abram made him mute. He said, I, Gabriel, stand at the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true in their proper time. I can believe that, Elizabeth said. It took an angel to keep my husband quiet. (laughs) Retirement, too much money, not enough money, too much husband, anyway, only an angel could shut him up. They were able then to have sex, and voila, here I am, pregnant six months. Not just any child, mind you, but a boy that Gabriel told me to name John and told my husband to name John. Not Zach Jr., which was customary and expected, but John. And the name John means Yahweh, the Lord, has shown favor. He has answered your prayer in your barrenness in ways you could not have imagined or dreamed about. In your old age, I answered your prayers, and now you have not just a baby, not just a boy, but now you have Elijah come in the Spirit. Would you say God is able to do it above me on all we could ask or imagine? Pray, He's not, He will answer you. So Elizabeth goes on, so for the first five months of my pregnancy, I've been in seclusion. Not hiding out of fear, but just trying to process what my husband is telling me about this boy. And I'm not ashamed because, as it says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. And Mary, let me as a mentor say the same thing to you. He'll take care of your disgrace that you're afraid of. Your, his favor is upon you. Mary, I've been waiting for six months. I've been waiting for six months for the next great event in Bible prophecy. If my son is Elijah, when then will Messiah be born? And here he is. In fact, Verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, I've seen my wife pregnant, and I've seen our kids kick every once in a while to press out. But when leaping for joy, this is like a cheerleader for the Oregon, the Civil War games, jumping up and down. This was excitement. This was a thrill. And there's rumbling going on here. And this is, and it's for joy. And she knew that by the power of the Spirit of God. A fetus, I've read somewhere, was the first one to leap for the joy of Christmas. Fetus to fetus. In fact, I initially titled my message that, that John in the womb celebrated Jesus in the womb that day. This is not fantasy. Especially as we look at the Supreme Court going on right now and uh, Justice Sotomayor says that, you know, brain-dead people can sense pain when you punch them as a fetus is some kind of brain-dead blob. God help you. God help our country. These are people. Leaping for joy, John did. Hearing the voice of Mary through Elizabeth's ears. Filled with the Spirit, he jumped for joy. For the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. Every word of God shall not be powerless. In verse 45 in Luke 1, it says, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord Has said to her will be accomplished. And blessed are you when you believe that what the word of the Lord has said to you will be accomplished, my friends. There is a blessing in this. We start in January, we'll start going through the Beatitudes, the blessings. So believe to be blessed, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It's like this. The path like this is straight. And on that path, there is God's blessings. But if I wander off the path into the pews, I'm out of God's blessing. Not that I've earned His blessing, but get back on the path. Trust and obey what He said for you to do and for you to become because every word of God has power in it to accomplish what He designed you to be. Which brings us to the conclusion of this little episode here of three months with Elizabeth and Mary. Looking at their great examples. Mary did the next thing after she heard the angel Gabriel, and so did Elizabeth. And here they are before us that when you hear him speak to you, act on it right now. How are we to respond to God's word this morning? What do we do next? God loves you, and He really does have a wonderful plan for your life. That's an old statement from back in crusade days. But it's the truth. He loves you, and He has a marvelous plan for you, a design. Every human being, not just John the Baptist or Jesus our Savior, but us. Every human being has a purpose that God, when He, when he brought you into life for you, Oh, don't abort it by disobedience. Don't abort it by ignorance. Don't abort it by selfishness. Speak, Lord, your servant hears and follow. You do have a purpose. And As I said, I love Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your presence? Where can I go? You know, everywhere, Lord. But in verse 13 and 18, it says, For you created my inmost being When a child is conceived, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. John's frame was not hidden from the Lord in Elizabeth's womb. In every pregnancy, we have a precious person that God wants to bless and give them fruitful life and a purposeful life. This is not just some specific statement. I've read that some liberal theologian. That's just, just for them, sowing the Holy Spirit's work. No, this is every person. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, woven is like, Quilters, you're close to that when you weave together, but it's actually making a fabric, weaving it together. He is the one who weaves us together. And there are some people, because of of physical disformity, or what do you want to call it, they are valuable. Everyone. I don't understand the purpose for that, but God, you know. They are not less valuable because they're not able to function like me. And even in old age, they're still valuable. They are people, God's creation. And then I especially look at all the days ordained for me were written in your book. So the Lord has a book, and it has your story in it. Every day, His story is being written in your life. You turn the page, Lord, what's the next thing for me to do? What do you have for me next? Doesn't it say that? before one of them came to be, as he did for Jeremiah. We read that in chapter 1 of Jeremiah. The Lord had intentions for him as he does for you. Oh, Lord, how precious are your thoughts, oh God, how vast the sum of them. Billions and billions of people he created because he wants them to know what it is to experience his love and his goodness. Were I to count them They would outnumber the grains of the sand. I don't think that's an exaggeration. And when I am awake, I am still with you. You still have me, Lord, in the palm of your hands. So may I ask you this morning online, here in the auditorium, what is God's purpose for your life? When He saved you from God's wrath, when He saved you from... Death, He also salvaged you. God is the great salvager of broken lives. Where I had to find an old 1955 Chevrolet in some garage that had not been propped up and it was rusting out in the tires and so forth, I would talk to someone who was a salvager of cars can make them new to make it work like it's supposed to, to make it be exactly what it's like to be. And God is doing that in our broken lives now he saves you to salvage you, to be a person of purpose and beauty, his love, and to be recipient of all of his grace and mercy. He's come to salvage our brokenness. Thank you, Lord, for that. I'm not making this up. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. It is by grace you have been saved. You, you, didn't, you couldn't earn this. What did Mary do to be favored? What did Elizabeth do to be favored? It was grace. It was God's undeserved kindness that just was poured out upon them. And when he's sharing the gospel with you like I'm trying to do now, he's pouring out his grace upon you. And his grace draws you to himself. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is God's gift to you. Not of works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship and the greek word looks like the word poem but you are his work of art he knit you together in your mother's womb he gave you your personality he gave you your skill set your strengths your weaknesses he gave you your skin tone your melanin. he gave you your culture your race so that you might reach out and find him and follow him with all of your heart you are his workmanship what a sculptor he is i'm the canvas and he's the painter I'm the clay, and he's the potter, and he does good stuff. He makes beauty. And look what it says in Ephesians eight ten: Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are they? It goes on. Which God prepared in advance for you to do before they came to be. They were written in the book. So is God through with you now at age 76? No. Is God through with you at age 80? Is God through with you because you have health issues? Is God through with you because I can't work like I used to? No, He has more good works in advance prepared for you to do. What are they? God's Word is spoken to you, and so the question is, if every Word of God is not powerless, then what is He calling you to be and do today? We know what Mary did. We knew what Elizabeth did. What about you? Will you step up and do the next thing? Do those good works. He's prepared an advance for you to do. On September the 19th, 1985, I wrote that date on the margins of Psalm 90. And under that, I said, anticipating my dad's death. I was 40 at the time. And he'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer just three to four months earlier, and now he's close to death. Okay, but then my grandfather, his dad, died of pancreatic cancer at age 65. So I did the math. I got 25 years left on this machine, I think. So how am I going to spend these next 25 years doing the good works he prepared for me in advance to do? There's an urgency there. How can I live my life for the maximum for you these next 25 years? Well, I'm 76 now, so the Lord said, I got a few more years for you. Good. But I I read Psalm 90 and I saw verse 12 and I underlined this that same day. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to do what you ask me to do. Lord, this is my prayer. Teach me to number my days. 25 years of them. Now be careful when you pray that. Because those next 25 years were some of the roughest times of our lives, right, Judy? <laughs> My life changed big time in ways I could have never orchestrated or wanted to be a part of. Hard times, those crucible times that crush you, that break your heart, that disappoint you. I don't want to do this anymore. But Mike, I've prepared good works for you to do in advance. So follow me, take the next step. And I could remember many times all I could do is beg the Lord, take this cup from me. Oh, I don't want to be prone to self-pity. And I'm certainly not like Jesus, nor are you. But there are those times, aren't they, when you're in the garden. And you say, I can't take this anymore. Elijah felt that way, right? And here's what I've heard. When I read about King Jehoshaphat and his country was being invaded by an overwhelming army, and there was no hope for this country to fight against this army. They would be overpowered in days. They were already crossing the border, and he called everybody together. And based on Second Chronicles seven thirteen and fourteen, he cried out to God in front of everybody, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven." So Lord, we're we're crying out to you right now. We're, gonna, we're our country is going to be destroyed. And King Jehoshaphat stood up for the people, and he said in Second Chronicles twenty twelve, "For." We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. But, Lord, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are upon you, upon your promise, upon your word, and each and every one of you in your age situations and life situations. God has something more for you, something so much better for you. I don't know what to do, but put your eyes on him and say, Show me, and he will. Take the next step. Oh, I'm not physically able to do that. I'm not. I'm not spiritually able, my emotions. I say in Psalm 5, as I memorize it, morning by morning I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation for the next step. Lord, what do I do? Would you just talk to the Lord morning by morning? Lord, I lay my request. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me what I should do next, because my eyes are on you. And it's not by might, it's not by power. I can't organize it, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord, right? Be filled with the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the promises in Ephesians. Day by day. And with each passing moment, Strength he gives to me to face each trial. Wisdom he provides if I just listen. Here, this is the way walk in it. And I lay in bed at night and say, I made it through another day. Lord, forgive me for my faults. I don't even know what they are. But you were merciful to me. Trust His promises. Find them wholly true. And break out of the rut that you may be in right now of always doing the same thing. Maybe God has something different in store for you. (laughs) It was a year ago last year, December the 6th, I retired from church. I just want to share this with you. And I was so glad on December the 6th, I wouldn't have to be a part of another church service at Christmas. After 50 years of doing Christmas, I'm kind of like a break. And I said, and I won't have to do another budget ever again for a church. Lord says, another lap around Mount Sinai. Okay, I'm trying to learn how this works. He will surprise you if you ask him, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant hears, and When he speaks, I better get with it in his hope and strength. And the same with you, we're in it together. Now, one last thing, especially online. I'm looking out here and analyzing who's sitting out here looking at you and trying to remember your names without your mask on. Some with your mask on, that's fine too. Have you ever responded to God's first word, his first invitation to you to place your faith in him alone as your Savior? Have you ever responded to the gospel, Start there. They ask him, Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus responded in John eight twenty nine, the work of God is this. You want to do the work for God? Here's the first thing, to believe on the one that God has sent. Believe in me, not by works, but by faith. You see, salvation is the gift of God. Jesus is the gift we are to receive, to save us. How John 1, 12, 13 says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, those He gave the right to become the children of God. Are you a child of God? Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior today? You say, Lord, I can't do anything except believe in You. Well, then do that. Place your faith, your transfer the trust of your eternal destiny in, into what Jesus did for you on the cross, that he came to this earth and lived in a physical life, sinless, to pay the debt that man cannot pay for your salvation and receive. I welcome you into my life. Save me, Lord Jesus. And you can do that by praying right now. So would you just bow your heads with me and pray? Lord, You know who's listening, those who haven't done the first thing in, in responding to Your Word. So may Your Holy Spirit be merciful and convict them of guilt in regards to sin and in regards to, their, to righteousness, that Your Son is right and that the devil's been judged and You're coming back soon. Would You convict them? Would you, Your Holy Spirit draw them with cords of love to place their trust in you that every word you speak is not powerless. Lord, protect them from believing the lie that Adam and Eve heard. Did God really say? Yes, God, you really said. And your word comes true. That if you trust in yourself, you shall die. But trust in Jesus and you shall live. Do that right now in prayer. Lord, send people into the lives of those who have prayed today that they might have that conversation like Mary and Elizabeth had, that confirming word to realize that Christ has been born in them. In Jesus' name.